Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Bravo, macht Tempo, wartet auf Harte. Herzlang gekommen und jetzt ist es Klos. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny, 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es heuer, Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke, Puyallpalata. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Zweite Bundesliga podcast. Today we're discussing all the action from match day four. A match day that had pretty much anything from wild comebacks, controversial penalties maybe, uh, and a few teams were left feeling a bit blue. So, with a lot of teams in the league, five exactly, without a win, who would be able to make that one at the end of the match day? We shall see. Of course, alongside me, teaming up the, my partner in crime to discuss all the action from the fourth match day of the season. It's the one and only Eva Lotterbola. Eva, good morning to you. Um, very flamboyant looking outfit that uh, we've gone with today. It's colorful. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, how are you today? <laughs> I decided not to go with the theme my club is being putting out at the moment mm. i thought just positive thinking it starts with the clothes i'm just i'm just gonna think positive from now on i don't know i don't know i'm i'm going to t take a 10 hour trip to heidenheim on the weekend um rightly being punished for loving my club um no otherwise i'm well i actually have a couple free days which is very rare <laughs> at the moment um so I actually had a had a bit of more time actually watching Zweite Liga. Said to uh, to a friend in the last day, I think I've never seen this less of Zweite Liga. Like really seen it on the match day. Um, this changed at least for this match day, which which meant I wasn't so surprised by the results, which I, I were from time to time the last three match days. <laughs> and sometimes it's time is passing. It's it's a weird thingy. Um, yeah, and I think we, the Zweite Bundesliga is delivering what we expect of them. You can't really, I mean, you can't really expect anything of of what you were expecting before. Um, you you see this? We're coming to obviously always towards the end. We're coming to our kick tip leaders, uh, and I know I can say this because the person who won it this week is always saying. No idea about the Zweite Liga. I'm just going away and putting in what I think might happen, but I actually have no clue about the clubs. And nothing describes the Zweite Liga more than her being top or, yeah, top of this match day. Um, yeah, but I think um, we've seen a couple of teams who are taking the path to a very rocky road uh taking that path down and down and down we have one team which we're starting with who is yeah maybe maybe found another way in the Twitter to, to, to walk on um and i'm excited to go through how are you doing <laughs> i'm i'm great of course uh pretty happy to see Portsmouth won this morning, which was good. So that's always great. And Schalke getting a first point back in the Bundesliga is always nice. Um, granted, we probably should have won the game, but you know, what are you going to do? Um, 
yeah, doing all right. I got to catch a good portion of the the conference and and some of the games on the weekend, and uh, very much rode the bumps of the first game that we're going to talk about. And it's not often that these two sides would lead off our podcast, Karlsruhe and Sandhausen, but for me, they played the best game of the match day, and it started like it has started almost every game for Karlsruhe this season. They conceded first. Uh, David Kinsombi opening the scoring 10 minutes in, and Konig Alios, as Sky had with their pre-game graphic, uh, the king of Sandhausen, he was doing it again against one of his former clubs. But uh, it was not uh, not to be early on. 20, 32 minutes in, the bat signal arrived at the Vild Park, and uh, Malik Batma has got his first goal of the campaign. And uh, shame they didn't put the Batman theme music on because it would have been very, very warranted. Yep, I went there. Um, so 1-1 at the break. And Karlsruhe, when playing from behind, showed a lot of fights. And they really gained control until the break. And then Sandhausen getting the opening goal of the second half and taking a 2-1 lead. It was a long ball that found Ahmed Kutichu. Yes, that Ahmed Kutichu. Uh, and he got a wonderful goal past Marius Gersbeck, and it was 2-1, and it seemed as if the game was getting away from Karlsruhe, and this is where their jokers came to play. Simona Rapp, who had tested Patrick Dreyers a couple of times prior, he gets a goal on 84 minutes, and at 2-2, it seemed as if Karlsruhe have found another gear, and they did take it to the next level, because just three minutes later, Lucas Cueto got the game-winning goal, his first goal of the season, and Kalzura come from 2-1 behind to take a massive win at home. We breathe. Either this is a massive game for Kalzura, we knew that coming in. They've been atrocious defensively because they've been hit by injuries. We've mentioned... We are, we've seen the transfer market's uh, graphic and it's just reds and crosses and it's a really bad sign. But they held up just enough to gain control where they started to win the midfield battle and eventually when the chances came, they took them. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you've got to say uh, it's not easy coming back like this uh, because obviously, um, yeah, your brain starts to work as they nod again not again the opponents in the lead 10 minutes into the game before you had the first real good chance of the game actually um i think with schleusner where deep maya tries the own goal or something like this um and then it's very naive defending with both kinzombie brothers actually um but I really like that you could see right away that Karlsruhe wasn't backing down. You had Vanitek who tried to level, I think. Um, and then you had, when we talk about Karlsruhe being too naive for the 1-0, uh, Sandhausen was way too na- naive. I kind of had the feeling um, this was, in a way, a copy of the first goal where one player can just walk through through the pitch, through the defense, and score his goal. Um he had equally too much space as as uh, Kinsombi had before, and yep, Karlsruhe had three shots on target in the first half, thirteen shots on goal, so they re- were really pushing for this. Um, and then you had you went into the second half, 
And then you once again had the first goal for Sandhausen. They were very efficient, first chance of the second half they score. But I mean, just if you look at the goal, this can never happen. No matter what, it's a free kick from own half from the last line of defense from Sandhausen. With and then you have Kutuchu free and you have three in the back for cards who's there there it's normally it was four for this game but i had the feeling it was only three in this instance and they all like i i don't know if they were hoping for offside obviously but n- no matter what i mean there there's another game where we can talk about where only because it's offside you should still defend like because it doesn't look good otherwise um and that's yeah that was that was really bad, but obviously um, Christian Eichner's substitutions worked very well, and um, Chirov actually won six aerial duels in this game, but this was the one he didn't win, and where it was probably the most important one to win. Um, yeah, and so Chirov was unlucky in the first for the first goal. Dumich who lost his step, I thought. Um, for for the three two, um, and then we saw very untypical Sandhausen defensive mm-hmm. behavior in my opinion, like what we haven't seen so far. Um, but in the end, definitely a deserved win for Karlsruhe because Sandhausen was efficient, but not efficient enough in the end. And um, so yeah, congrats to to KSC. They yeah. Put a put a lot of work into this game, um, and they uh, deserve to win. Yeah, it was good that on the conference that they weren't switching to the other games. They stuck with this one for a bit longer and reaped the rewards of um, you know really good changes for 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 Eichner. You know, Rap was great. Cueto could have scored again. He he almost pre- performed an identical move like a minute later. Um, to score a second, and uh, how good to see Sebastian Jung back on the pitch. He's he missed pretty much the majority of last season with injury. Came on as a sub. He assisted the second goal, um, which was really all thanks to Vanitzek keeping the ball in on the byline. Jung with a wonderful ball in and wrap headering home, and yeah, an incredible game really. And yeah, as you said, Eve, a very well deserved result for them. Um, it just didn't really work for Sandhausen. They I think um, you look in the second half, and after they took the two-one, they tried to do what they usually do, which is they, you know, they sat back and invited the pressure. And and after that goal, you know, eleven shots to two in favor of Karlsruhe. I mean, that tells you the main part of the game, really, that you know, Sandhausen just couldn't get it going once they conceded uh, the second goal. All the momentum was with Cardsi, and and yeah, it's a massive win. You know, they were one of the five sides that hadn't secured a victory um, heading into the match day and um, just a, a massive relief and of course to do it in front of your home fans is humongous can they do it at Jan Regensborg on Saturday we shall see Sandhausen uh, they are at home against Nürnberg we'll talk about the fallout from Nürnberg's performance because there's a bit to talk about as much there is plenty to talk about this particular team it is Armenia Bielefeld they hosted Hamburg, and we knew this was going to be a tricky game for the Ostwestfalen side. And 
one thing we spoke about in last week's game was the individual errors that were leading to goals. We saw the first goal last week was a, a bit of a mistake that led to a goal. And it doesn't help when you're gifting teams opportunities. And just 28 minutes in, a mix-up between Oliver Husing and, and Stefanos Capino. Turnover, quick pass, and Radsford Jaboa Konigsdorf gets his first goal in Hamburg colours. And it was a simple finish, an avoidable error, almost relatively similar to the first goal they conceded the week before in Rostock. So, not great. They did start the second half better, did Bielefeld, to their credit. They had a couple of opportunities. Jakel had the best of them. Um, but ultimately, it was for naught when substitute Laszlo Benish punished a, a turnover in midfield and his effort, wonderful goal in the end. And uh, two important goals for Hamburg players, especially those two new this season. Um, good for the confidence. And Hamburg take the three points in the end. Bielefeld dropped to 17th. They are one of two sides to not pick up a point this season. Braunschweig are the other, and we will talk about them much later on in the program. Eva, you were at the game. A tough encounter once again. There were boos from the uh, the, the sud end of the ground. It, it, there were reports at the a couple of days ago that they might be looking for a replacement. It doesn't seem like Bielefeld at the moment is a particularly happy place, uh, not just from the outside looking in, but inside the inner sanctum. It doesn't seem that to be a, a harmonious place or even to say a team. I think first of all, a couple of things I want to unpack here. First of all, it was not only whistles from the south end, but from the whole stadium. Um, also note this, the whistles mainly come from sitting area of the of the stadium first before they come from the south end um yeah first of all um what i really want to criticize with our own fans is that um i do understand the yeah disappointment about this but yeah whistling to your own players like when Husing then had the ball after after his mistakes. He was being whistled by mm. by fans. Honestly, not gonna say the f word, but f you. It's this is not how you treat people. No matter how disappointing it is, uh, this doesn't help at all. Um, it was that uh, when Capino had had a re had probably his best game so far this season, um, when people around me then start, well, is he getting applauded by doing his job? Why? What is wrong with you people? Like I'm so annoyed by. I think this this is the whole problem. Annoyed by the club, annoyed by what is happening on the pitch, annoyed by what is happening off the pitch, annoyed what is happening in just and the majority of the fans um then obviously i've spoken about this plenty of times where should the confidence come from nowhere uh bielefeld and Fjord both haven't won a game since february um it, it doesn't help it's it's a huge huge problem but also um Jekyll actually had a really really good game he um was really good in defending he had, um, yeah, I think the 
most clearances. Uh, he had six clearances in this game using at four. So this is also a problem when there's one mistake happening. Um, you by a player by by using you automatically think well he's bad the rest of, of the game mm. he actually had the highest pass success for Bielefeld with 83% I mean on the other hand the most pass the highest pass success rate was by Buskowicz with 95% um, but yeah I mean and then you you have People like Robin Hag, who was amazing in this game, um, he won 21 duels. I think this is the top three for this match day. Um, and he was really good. I mean, there was this one one clearance where he just runs back uh, and he's like the last line of defending and catches the ball. And uh, he has been great. Bielefeld was actually dangerous through set pieces in the second half through a chip guard. Um, and obviously it doesn't help because we have no points in the end, but I find it quite difficult seeing everything negatively. We weren't actually that bad in this game. We have the high XG because Hamburg in the second half, I'm very sorry to say this this way, but the Banish goal was at this stage undeserved because they didn't do anything in the second half. Hamburg was the the problem is with Bielefeld at the moment that your opponents don't have to show up with their A game to win. Um, it was the same with Sandhausen, it was the same with Regensburg, it was the same with Rostock, and it was the same with Hamburg. It's enough for your opponents to play 45 really concentrated good minutes and score the first goal to ruin everything for you. And that is really concerning and you kind of have the feeling that Forte doesn't really have an answer. I said it last week, I don't <laughs> understand why Vasiliadis played again. He was, um, he, he was terrible in Rostock. He was not good in this game. Um, Kanuric came in and looked, although he could have done something again uh, for the 2-0, um, he looked a bit more confident just from his build-up. Vasiliadis, is, I have the feeling, is running in a lot of... Like, normally, would you, you would say your your players who are playing on that sixth position are running the most kilometers. That was Yanni Serra for Bielefeld mm. with 11 kilometers. So you see there is a lot of things going wrong. I do hope we, we signed a new player for like the sixth position um, on loan. I now, however, not butchering his name. We just listened to it. It's Ivan Lepinchitsa, I think. Was it correct? Close. Uh, I think e- close. Ivan Lepinchitsa. No, no. It was the le- C was... Oh, yeah. Lepinchitsa. Was not... Lepinchitsa. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Ivan yeah. Lepinchitsa. Should we edit that out? Yeah, we... <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no All right. <laughs> we're, we're staying true to our... Um, um, our mistakes uh, it's it's normal um yeah but and i mean in the end as mentioned i didn't really think that hamburg looked good in this game for especially not in the second half gotta say i'm off the Koenigsdorfer hype train that guy is actually pretty pathetic um maybe he was lucky he did 
there wasn't the same referee in place like uh, with the Magdeburg game because otherwise he would have gotten a yellow card and should have been sent off in the end uh, because I've never seen someone stealing a ball from the referee or tr- or attempting to and not getting a yellow card. So he was the lucky guy on the weekend. Um I did like George Bellow, although he made the mistake before the two know, but he had a couple of good things. He was yeah, really going up front, doing doing good work. Um yeah, but nevertheless I don't know, like it's being said that uh Heidenheim is the um yeah, kinda last chance for for Forte, which is like <clears throat> everyone can see it's just something to because there is not a new coach in place. Because Bielefeld has never won in Heidenheim. Never. Teams don't really win easily at Heidenheim. I don't know how it should happen. And then probably they want, like, if you have a new coach starting with a defeat in Heidenheim, doesn't help. If you have a new coach starting against Braunschweig, maybe better. But to be honest, with all the names flying around... If I hear Florian Kofeld one more time, I'm going to scream. I don't want him at my club. Then it's the talks of Bruno Labbadia. We can't really afford him. Mm. Um, although, I like, please don't kill me, but I would like to see what he could do with the second club team and to a team where he's very yeah. close to, mm. um, just from personal experience. Um like, I mean, there the were... Ple- Why the hell would anyone put Capretti in the ring? Why? Who? Why? Why putting someone in who hasn't won in 2022 and team him up with a team who hasn't won since February doesn't not make sense. Yes? Thank you. Also, there are talks whether this could potentially be the end of Sami Arabi as well. So, I love everything at my club. Welcome to my emotional football TED talk. It's over now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like, yeah, you, you said it. Bielefeld weren't bad in the game. The problem is that they picked the worst times to give up goals. Um, Uli Ford is gone. Oh, well, who would have picked it? Four games in, and as we are recording, so they were nice enough to... Uh, say this while we are recording the podcast that is an interesting decision um and it looks like the assistants in Mikhail Henker, Kai Hesse and Sebastian Hiller will all be kind of co-training the game this is a massive decision uh as we're recording this Eva we need a live reaction what how do we feel because this is early this is really early to let someone go. It's four match days in. Um, some thoughts, please. Reaction. This is this is really sad because I don't think anyone would have had this as a situation. Uh, your immediate thoughts. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it doesn't make sense giving him the training yesterday. Mm. I don't know. I mean... Obviously, what I said doesn't look good for Ravi. Uh, well, I don't know. 
Let's move on because obviously Bielefeld have got Heidenheim on Sunday. Uh, Hamburg return home on Friday. They've got Darmstadt. Um, oh, well, this is amazing. This is this doesn't happen often, but uh, here we are. We should move on then because that's uh, that's probably enough Bielefeld for one episode. Though we get we get either every episode, I, and that's plenty. I of do apologize. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is all right. Let's move on to the Merkur Spiel Arena in Düsseldorf. Fortuna Düsseldorf hosted the aforementioned Greuther Fürth. Fürth hoping to get win number one of the season. Fortuna hoping to get back to winning ways. It was a tightly contested game. Both teams had relative opportunities, but not the surprise of anyone that Düsseldorf had the ascendancy in this game, but conceded the first goal. Branimir Hogerta with a wonderful goal, beautifully chipping uh, Florian Kastenmeier, and Furt had a lead that they probably didn't deserve. There was a big incident, though, in the first half. Roven Hennings had a penalty, which was saved. Andreas Linder, excellent on the follow-up, however, took a serious knee blow to the head. Leon Schaffron, who debutized in the cup, played the second half, and it's very difficult for a goalkeeper to come in in a situation like that. Luckily, it was around halftime to play the second half, and he was valiant, but he did concede twice. Andre Hoffman and then David Kovnatsky, the pole, second goal of the campaign for him. He's been in good form since coming back from his loan stint, and it definitely seems as if Daniel Tune is very happy to have the pole in in the side. And now for the big moment of the game, which was there was another penalty in this game. This time it was, I guess it was given as handball, and then it seemed as if Abiyama was fouled by Jordi Device. Now, we will talk about this, I'm sure, at another time when we get some clarity from a, a, a person who is very in tune with the rules of the game. Penalty given, Hugota scores again, 2-2, it ends... It's a big result for Furt because either they weren't particularly great in this game, they were on the back foot for a lot of it, um, but it's another point for Mark Schneider's side against a team that we we really highly rate uh, in Fortuna Dusseldorf. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it's definitely um, two lost points for Dusseldorf here because, um, yeah, they, they should have won just from how they played for the majority of the game, I would agree. Um, they they had, with with um, Ginczek, Kovnatsky and Henning up front, they had, like, really, as we say in German, the volle Kapelle, so they were really trying to go forward there. Um not completely sure if it worked that well. Um, I mean, the the penalty scene is is the scene where Ginchek is kind of waiting for for Hennings in in this um, situation. But yeah, I mean, I I did think it was it wasn't easy penalty. I would say so. I got a really good save by Linda. Um, don't really get what he played on for the rest mm. of the first half. Yeah. Um, like he, the the majority of time he was being, yeah, where he got treatment uh, was a bit too long, especially for for a head injury kind of thing. Um, and although this was a clear uh, foul for me on 
on the goalkeeper the other thing wasn't but as you mentioned we're going to talk about this uh, at another time um yeah i mean and then obviously it it took a bit for just it off to level took the second half obviously but um you could you could see in this game food had had problems with defending high crosses or set pieces into the box um that wasn't really working well for them um yeah and as mentioned before obviously um for food good getting a point here in the end deserved or not i mean you you need you need those kind of games um but yeah i'm not completely sure um wh- what to make out of this for them um a lot of what they're doing is still really really focusing on hogota mm. um and yeah i i wasn't sure about this game um i think in the end uh we could talk about that that Dusseldorf wasn't or should have won this game if i because it was just a really stupid penalty to concede in the end uh wasn't really necessary there um but yeah i mean uh at least they haven't lost this although once again, they should have probably won. Um, but maybe it was also because, especially in the first half, if you have three strikers up front and you only manage to get one shot on target. Yeah. Um, for me, that didn't work because they, you need people, like the dynamics of the game were a bit off, in my opinion, in the first half. Um, so... This was the answer to the defeat in Sandhausen, but still, yeah, I wasn't really convinced that this is the way to go. I cannot really imagine we see the same thing happening against Braunschweig on the weekend. Uh, I do think it will go back to two, so Appelkamp is being involved a bit more, but because I thought due to that situation, Appelkamp was really not doing a lot, lot here, so, yeah. Yeah, it was a weird game. I mean, Fortuna hit the, the woodwork twice prior to the penalty, and uh, I think for, for them it's, a, it's a, a lot of the case of what if we had done this and had we scored the penalty and or even the follow-up of the penalty. You know, it, it's what ifs, and, and they really kind of let themselves down because... Moments after the 2-1, um, you know, they gave a penalty, which was very avoidable. And, you know, both instances um, in that scene could, could constitute a penalty. So, um, yeah, they'll be pretty disappointed with that result because it was a winnable game for them and they had the better of the chances. But uh, ultimately, they just didn't do enough with it. It leaves them 8th. Fürth are... Uh, 15th they've won they've drawn three of their four games uh they are now only one of three sides yet to secure a win this season wow that was an interesting first part of the podcast a lot happened we should take a break because we definitely need one and on the other side we're going to head to the fritz Walter stadion it was kaiserslautern and paderborn
Kaiserslaut were hoping for three wins from three at the Fritz Volta Stadion when they hosted Paderborn on Friday evening. It was a wonderful atmosphere of just over 33,000 making their way to see a tight football affair. Could Kaiserslautern do it? Well, no, they couldn't in the end. They were, let's just say, a bit unfortunate, but they were the unfortunate makers of their own demise. Uh, in the second half, when uh, Henrik Zuck fouled Sir Lord Conte, initially given a penalty, which would have been a yellow card. However, it was deemed outside the box, which of course is denying a clear goal-scoring opportunity, which is a red card. And Dr. Matthias Jollenbeck, who was the referee for this one, uh, having to dip into the pockets for a red with the assistance of VAR. This was a correct decision for me. Um... But a harsh one, but it is the correct one. Um, and it really put Kaiserslautern on the back foot. They had to defend for all their life. Tomiak um, and uh, Kevin Krauss really defended valiantly. But in the end, it was all for naught. Um, when Julian Justvan's shot was well saved from Andy Luther, who was unbelievable in this game. But it fell to Felix Platter. And the top scorer of the Svarta Bundesliga resides in Paderborn. Platter has four goals this season. And it also means that Etsy Paderborn or Sieben are top of the table heading into match day five. Eva, we saw the scenes at the end of the game. Lukas Kozniak was ecstatic with the results, um, with his side now going to the top of the pile. Three wins uh, from their first four games. They are the league's top scorers as well with 11, but that's a bit inflated because they, get, they scored five against... Uh, uh, Karlsruhe, but uh, a good win for them because we've seen uh, that the Fritz Walter Stadion is a pretty tough place to get a result so far this season. Uh, it's big three points for them. Yeah, and I mean, you really have to say that, um, especially in the first half, Kaiserslautern did a did a great job not letting Paderborn go mm. go through with their game. Um, I thought the the midfield pressing was impressive. Um, Paderborn had a lot of problems uh, creating chances going forward. Um, Kaiserslautern was really, really coming out with two, three players and was successful in doing that. Ironically, this was a bit why in the end um, they they conceded because there were um, two players with Durham and Tomiak who were going out on, on the Paderborn player. And um, yeah, then you had two Madrid in in the box in the end. Um, but yeah, I, I thought especially this second half was mainly being dictated through a lot of fouls, a lot of breaks. I mean, one player who was really hoping for getting a yellow card was Marlon Ritter, probably ex-Paderborn player. Um, he was really, really trying to, to annoy anyone everyone on the on the pitch um and yeah uh i think uh Kuznir was right subbing up Fandavev at, at halftime putting on Hunemeyer he didn't look good against Boyd in that one situation where Boyd should have yeah should have scored probably the 1-0 um yeah and then uh we say a lot of bad things about the VAR but this was actually a perfect use of the VAR, in my opinion, or as far as I'm concerned, because um, yeah, it was a foul before the box, it wasn't a penalty, but then it's understandable that it's a red card versus took, and I mean, 
he was really trying. He was, yeah, really pushed away by his own staff, by his own players, to not say anything more. His mouth was covered by uh, colleagues. Um, yeah, I mean, you. There was one scene where Parable wanted to penalty. Um, when Krau saved the ball with his face, I'm not sure why they thought it was handball. Uh, not sure why Peeringa didn't score. Like you meant, I mean, he has scored a couple of goals for Paderborn already. Not sure why he he, he didn't score that one. Um, but yeah, I thought, especially in the second half, the good football was kind of being lost. I mean, Kaiserslautern was down to ten men. Obviously, they they didn't create a lot after a lot afterwards. Um, but yeah, as mentioned, that one, one last attack by Paderborn was um, impressive. Um, fourth goal in a row for Platter. And I mean, Kaiserslautern, I think, had one more last chance by lobbing out in the end. Um, but um, yeah, in the end, Paderborn probably did a bit more. Um, although, yeah, because uh, in the second half, Kaiserslautern didn't really have a, a shot on ta- target anymore. Um, first half was was a bit better, but as I said, I thought, in my opinion, the first half was was good football from both sides, mainly because Kaiserslautern was really really good and really really awake in defending. Uh, as mentioned, really liked the pressing uh, there, but yeah, the second half was not awful, but just not compared to the first half was just not the same. I can I can I can finish that sentence. It wasn't football. It resembled a completely different sport because uh, <laughs> there was def- the fouls ramped up. The opportunities were obviously. I mean, Paderborn had more shots on goal in the second half with ten, um, but a lot of that had to do with the man advantages Eva has covered. And yeah, they were unlucky. Um, Kaiserslautern they had the, the Tomiak hit the bar and. Um, you know, Boyd probably should have scored when Hoot was miles out of his box and he took a little bit too long to shoot. And once um, Hoot was actually turned around, that's when he took the chance and the opportunity was gone. But they, they were resilient defensively. They they held up um, the advances for so long, um, but they just couldn't. Eventually, uh, it took a really good save from uh, from Luther to make to, to ensure that Yusufan didn't score, but it it fell so kindly to Plata, who um, didn't need a second opportunity. And uh, yeah, they, they've got Kiel on the weekend. Very winnable game for Paderborn. Um, Kaiserslautern are at Greuther Fürth on Sunday. It's a winnable game for them. They'll, they'll have the confidence that they can get a result, whether they can. Well, we'll find out next week. Now let's move to the top spieler. And uh, well, you hope that a top spieler will bring an element of... Uh, maybe even, or something spectacular. And uh, this was pretty one-sided. And when you're giving up goals, like Hansa Rostock did in the opening two minutes of the game, it's really hard to gain the, the, the momentum. And when Marcus Kolka left the ball for no one to claim it, Philip Tietz had no problem just shooting at sight and uh, getting his first goal of the season. Um, he would score again later on. And Marvin Malam got the second goal on 18 minutes, then Teets got a, a, Darmstadt's third, his second, and then a penalty, which was um, correctly adjudicated. Um, and Tobias Kemper made it four. 
Uh, it means that Darmstadt moves into third place on the table. They have won three consecutive since their match day one defeat at Jan Regensburg. Um, Eva, it's fair to say this was not the exact same Hansa Rostock we saw the weekend before. Um, but uh, when you're giving goals like they did uh, in the opening phases of the game, it's really, really difficult to uh, to atone for that. But um, yeah, they were pretty disappointing, Rostock. Um, maybe it's their away form this year that will be a hindrance rather than their home form. Yeah, and I mean, I was a bit reminded uh, by the Alexander Pop goal against uh, Austria, um, where she says that she she saw that the the goalkeeper was not really paying attention to the um, to the ball away side kind of I don't know how to say this in English I only know it in German I'm very sorry so the Bayern I don't know if there's a translation but I thought like this is the same with Koike he he does not he only pays attention to the left side mm. and the right side is completely free and I was a bit surprised that. I mean, he has his defender right in front of him and he sees it before him and don't really know why why the, the communication isn't better there. But nevertheless, um, in a way, especially in the first half, the, the game was done for there. Because um, I get the first chance after 24 minutes uh, with with Till. Um, I'm not quite sure why Fahok didn't at least see a yellow card, I Thought his foul on Milam was at least close to not completely being legal. Um, yeah, and then obviously the start of the second half, very unlucky for Rostock. They have the first chance, uh, but then right away, Teed scores the 3 0. Um, Schumacher then nearly with the 1 3, and then. Um, I'm not even sure why the referee didn't see this right away on the pitch because the way Malone is diving, jumping towards Willemsen um, was a clear penalty for me, but nevertheless good overruling by the, or overturning by the VAR. Um, I mean... Um, in, in the first half, also just didn't do enough. They didn't have a shot on target. They only had one for the whole game, um, which was probably then the Schumacher instance, um, I would suggest. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, they had a good pass success rate, then 50-50 possession. But, I mean, it really depends on what you doing with that and and you could say Darmstadt um, used every mistake Rostock handed to them very well and, and in the end you you could just then see maybe where where Rostock had problems last season as well from time to time and uh, Darmstadt yeah did it, did it very well in the end it didn't have a lot of problems yeah and I got although no... it was probably just probably a goal too high yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you look at the the conversion rate that's um to goal every three shots extraordinary um you know offensive efficiency from 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 darmstadt's and yeah they're putting themselves in the mix once again as you said either 
you know, the VAR had some pretty weird moments this weekend, but they got a few right in the second division. Um, yeah, that Malone foul was pretty clear and obvious, and good to see VAR got the overturn on that. So, as we mentioned, Darmstadt are at Hamburg. That's Friday night. And I can guarantee you the police presence will be at a maximum uh, at the Austria Stadion on Sunday when they take on St. Pauli. So that will be interesting. Uh, you mentioned also, Eva, before we switch to the next game, the shot on target. It was Dulevic in the, late in the second half. His was the shot on target. So uh, that's okay. You correct me when I'm wrong and, and I'm happy to assist. That's the that's the way we work in. Uh, yeah. Um, speaking of assisting, well, it seemed as if Hanover needed some assistance to get win number one of the season. They welcomed Jan Regensburg the Heights von Heiden Arena on Sunday. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Um, this was not a good game of football at all. And I would argue that Jan had the better of the chances in this one to get a victory. But ultimately, they didn't really do enough to really settle the nerves. Um they had a couple of good opportunities. Ron Robertzilla had some good saves in this game, but ultimately Hanover would get the goal. It was a deflected goal when Antonio Forti's initial shot uh, was deflected in by Steve Breidkreutz. And uh, that was enough in the end for, um, for Hanover to take the win. Regensburg do drop to sixth, Eva. They... They were. This is the thing. They were very good on set pieces. They had a goal disallowed. You know, Awusu was good up front. This is arguably one of the games that they they actually produced a relatively solid performance, but uh, they came away with nothing. And and I guess it is a, a game of margins where uh, Breitkreutz was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, and I mean, um, you, I I would say that also Hanover. Um, I will more probably uh, put them out for, for the set pieces. I thought Kuhn was fantastic uh, in this game. Him and, and Kerk um, had a couple of really, really dangerous set pieces and corners. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Ovusu, although I have to apologize probably a bit on being very surprised when Ringsburg picked him, but in the end, especially that scene where he first isn't scoring against Berner and then it was Sila, although Sila had a fantastic game. Mm. Um, you can kind of see where some skepticism is coming from. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, uh, as mentioned before, um, probably the most thanks goes to, to Sila in this game. For winning it, he he had a, he was amazing in the back and um, um, saved in a couple of instances mainly um, versus Uvusu. Um, uh, I mean, then in the end, again, congrats to Forty. He shouldn't be that free. He, the way he touches the ball was good, but I really thought he had scored the goal of a century to then see it's an own goal i was like that's funny cool <laughs> chill <laughs> chill um you can see his potential but mm. let the guy be it's never good having too big ex of expectations of young players 
he had a, it's cool that he already made an impact in his first game for Hanover, but um, especially in Hanover, too big of expectations, rethink minor, can go in the wrong direction. Obviously, Hanover yesterday has a huge, huge new... They have a problem since three weeks, at least really being in our minds again. But the court in Hanover said that kind of firing in the end, Martin Kind was not legal. It's not allowed. He's back in the club. Um, We do hope that um, our Hanover expert Mel can kind of explain this whole thing to us in the next couple of weeks. I mean, maybe it's good we didn't discuss it right away uh, without having any kind of court decision. But honestly, not wanting to be some sort of communication manager at Hanover at the moment, um, sending a lot of strength to to all Hanover fans. I know this is probably, excuse my language, but very fucked up at the moment. Um I think it's it's not great for them that it's that you have the feeling kid is finally out and then he's back in again and it's just for for two or three years a lot always happening with firing and not firing people always has a whole legal process behind it and yeah it's 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 not helping to get any sort of calmness and with winning that game and immediately like one day after you get the news like oh guys actually remember Martin Kent he's back in the game um so yeah I think that that isn't great it doesn't help to play at Magdeburg at the weekend do you think um it could be could be a difficult game but yeah I think they I think in the end they need to create more chances they need to offer more uh because this was still not a good game by them no no and um i love the fact that you reserved to not say the f word when bielefeld but bring it for hanover it's just i understand it um yeah that their set piece defending was terrible in this game and they were very fortunate not to concede um well they did concede but it was taken away um so yeah, you're right. Zila was good. I thought Stjanovic was also good for for Jan. He's had a really good season for them. I know that there was skepticism when they paid a fee to get him from Middlesbrough, but um, he's been really, really good between the sticks and, and a good reason why Jan have kept a few clean sheets this season. Um, and it's funny, we talk about transfer news and stuff like that, but I want to say that the, the best thing Hanover have done this summer is change their tour him to Freed from Desire. Easily a top 10 banger. You hear it at the darts and it gets people up and about. It gets people up and about in the stadium when they score. And I think it just adds that element. Just having a good tour him, you know, Regensburg have got um, Hawaii 5.0 theme song still, I believe. And, you know, you got Delian and uh, you got, you know, um, all kinds of other great songs. St. Pauli's goal song is pretty good. Same with Nuremberg. So, yeah, that for me, that's their best transfer of the, of the window. Um, as Eva said, they're at Magdeborg on Friday. Tricky game, but uh, we'll talk about Magdeborg in the last section. Um, Regensburg are back at home. They've got Kalzer on Saturday afternoon. Let's take our final break, and on the other side, we'll talk about the final three games of the match day. We'll look at our kick tip and our podcast recommendations, so don't go anywhere. 
Heidenheim were hoping to get back to winning ways when they made the journey to the Max Morlock Stadion on Friday night. Nuremberg themselves were coming off a draw and only with one win in their first three, maybe the pressure is slowly tinkering on Robert Klaus's side. They did nothing to dispel the pressure when they failed to register a single shot in the opening 20 minutes and just before halftime, Dennis Tamala got his first goal of the campaign. One player who was not playing Zweiter Bundesliga or even Drittsliga football last season was Adrian Beck. Signed from Ulm on a free, he made the ultimate impact to start the second half when he broke the back of the net and the hearts of Nuremberg fans. When you thought Nuremberg's game couldn't get any worse, they registered not a single shot in the final 15 minutes of a game that only had a two-goal advantage, and then Jan-Nicholas Bester was in Bester form and got the third goal of Heidenheim's three, and all three points were heading back to the Voigt Arena. So, much to be digested, but uh, one thing that we can say, if we can talk about food because I'm pretty hungry at the moment, is that uh, Heidenheim winning away from home is much like a steak that's been uncooked. It's rare. <laughs> Chapeau. <laughs> no, I, I was thinking the same. It was a very um, unusual performance from Heidenheim away from home. I mean, they were there from minute one. Uh, they created a lot of problems from Nuremberg, uh, especially for Nuremberg's defense. Um and uh, at the same time, they had a very, very good goalkeeper um, on their side. When Müller was tested, he was there. He was fantastic in goal. Um, and, I mean, you had that one chance where Defana probably should have scored. But uh, nevertheless, a very concentrated performance by Heidenheim. Uh, Nürnberg, I was a bit, although not the same score sheet, not the same opponent, obviously, but I was a bit reminded back to the game against Ingolstadt, where sometimes you you look at that Nürnberg team and you just know today is not going to be their day. Um, and I had the same feeling for this. Although they had their chances, um, they didn't look comfortable in the way they were playing. Um, and then Heidenheim used that very well. Um, for the one uh, great work from from Furenbach uh, on the left side, uh, Lauren Slater onto passive versus Tomala, um, and then as you've mentioned, what a beautiful goal by by Adrian Beck, um, and uh, before that, once again, you have the feeling the midfield from Nuremberg, and then Hübner is. They are not doing anything to prevent this goal. And although after this, you had really three chances by Nuremberg in a row, uh, the biggest one probably Tempelmann, where Müller is once again there for the saving. Um, you then have Heidenheim coming back into the game, Sessa nearly with a 3 0. And then it's uh, Fabian Nuremberg completely forgetting how to defend. Um, so in the end, very comfortable win for Heidenheim um, Nürnberg is going to have a tough time in Sandhausen on the weekend um, if they are not levelling up whatever they did in this game um, and I, I have the feeling you can really put those two and a half seasons uh, together um, from Nürnberg and it's just one huge season because what is what 
is consistent about Nuremberg, it, at least in my opinion, is there inconsistency in performing the same way two games in a row. And this is, whether it's bad performance before or good performance before, I've never seen two identical games of Nuremberg. I, I don't know about you, but you can never or rarely really depend on players, on the team as a whole, to perform the same way as they did the week before. I think that's very frustrating um, for a neutral spectator or yeah, follower of the Zweite Bundesliga. It's fun. Um, but as mentioned, I don't know about you, I think Nuremberg can win 5-0 one week and then lose 5-0 the other week or and then draw against the promoted side, win against one of the top three. Um, and obviously this is, they're basically, they're probably basically really the incarnation of the Zweite Liga or the, like the, the perfect example of the Zweite Liga. But at the same time, um, don't think that's really where they want to go. And don't think this is what Robert Klaus thinks is the perfect path down the road. Um, but yeah, what's, uh, what's your opinion about that? Yeah, I mean, their, their games in general are infixiated with just lack of continuity. They clearly haven't figured out what their best 11 is. And the prob- and, and you encapsulated it perfectly. That best 11 one week is not the best 11 the next week because none of them can... It seems as if none of the 11 players can replicate the performance and you'd argue in all four of the games they've played so far they were second best in most of them the third game they were opportunistic third probably had the better chances but didn't make anything of it the Pauli game awful in 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 their defending that 15 minute period where they were second rate the Yan game so harmless in the final third again they I'm not sure if it's their the squad's makeup or if it's the the way that Robert Klaus wants them to play, but whether they play two up top, they play one up top, they can play a forward three, they just don't seem like they're capable enough of winning the midfield battle and giving their forward players opportunities to score and the quality of chances aren't high. They're just not high enough, and this is why the best chance of the game was Templeman's long-range effort. But they just don't... There's no continuity in their game. Their next three games, on paper, they should... Yeah, on paper, you would think, well, they should beat Sandhausen. No. Tough game. Then they host Hamburg. Probably not. But you never know. They did it last season. And then they're at Braunschweig. And then it's Bielefeld that game to be scheduled the dates to be scheduled so who knows like it just i just don't know they could easily drop I, I, they could easily I think drop it's scheduled already Is it? the oh. game against bielefeld it's friday night oh, it's friday yep uh, sorry the sorry the, Bund- yeah, you're fine. the bundesliga fine. App was like, playing was tricks like, on me no it's not scheduled. scheduled no one wants it to be scheduled <laughs> <laughs> the, the reschedule 
they're re they're rescheduling it and giving everyone a point and that's so everyone's happy but yeah no they're really bad i know we we, we speak to, to to florian senger who has a lot of communication and, and has great knowledge of the club and yeah it's not good um on the contrary though feeling really good about how heidenheim are going about it um their signings have been really good we spoke about beck being a really good signing from a that's just great scouting they're they're one thing you get with heidenheim is when they do make moves they typically tend to work they're still integrating maloney in with um <laughs> oh guys uh they're still integrating um Maloney alongside Meinker. I forgot his name for a moment. Um, but, you know, clean sheet rarely was Muller tested and three points for Heidenheim. Let's go to another team. You'll you'll catch on the theme here, I'm sure, because the theme is three in group three, and that's the three goals that St. Pauli scored against Magdeborg at the Milan Tour on Sunday. One player we've highlighted as needing to really have a good season and hit the ground running was Johannes Eggestein along with Ivan Igor Matonovic, David Otto. The really the uncertainty around the young strikers. Um but uh Jojo was in great form. He scored twice in the opening fifteen minutes. He has three goals this season. Really wrapping it up with the threes here. Um but he was really good. Lively up top. They unlike if he was playing at Nuremberg, for example, he gets the service. They get him into good areas. He's very good off the ball. Uh, that's why Werder fans, I still, still think, have a little soft spot for uh, for Johannes um, Eggestein. And yeah, really, really good. And and I had to check my notes. I even had to check the highlights to make sure that it wasn't a mistake. Marcel Hartl did score. And it was a really good goal on 77 minutes. But um, what it means for St. Pauli, they... Uh, they move up to 7th with uh, their two wins, one draw and a defeat. Coming off that defeat last week, um, a good response for Magdeborg. Hasn't been a fun time recently. Uh, they've lost three their three of their opening four games, two consecutive defeats. And uh, either they, they lost this game early. Um, it would be fair to say not only were they poor defensively giving up those two goals, but... No shots in the opening 20. They really let St. Pauli dictate the play um, in the first half. Better in the second. They had the two shots that hit the frame of the goal. But other than that, um, it was clear that the, they really missed Barris Attic to, to create something for them because it was it was a really poor first half and it condemned them to the defeat in the end. And I mean, this is basically what uh, Christian Tietz said. He says the first half was the worst 45 minutes this season so far. And I would, would agree... Uh, they had no grip to the game at all. Um, I mean, they they had huge problems defending uh, Lea Pacarada on the left St. Pauli side, Aliakis on, on the right side. I mean, it's a bit unfair if you have two two players on, on opposite sides um, who know how to bring crosses. I mean, I, I said this yesterday. Uh, St. Pauli are the only team for me who are allowed to yeah, bring as many and, and, and do as many crosses as they want in a game, especially if it's through Lea Pacarada. I mean, he's been amazing. I, said, I, I, I got a lot of hate from the Pauli fans yesterday because I said he uh, might be one for Eintracht Frankfurt to uh, replace Kostic. I mean, obviously, they already got a replacement in Pellegrini um, and they're 
more looking forward to Sosa because he's a more offensive player. But um, yeah, I would still not be surprised if, for example, Pacarada, um, I was thinking about Vuskovic for HSV as well, would, would make the move uh, to the Bundesliga before the end of the transfer window. Um, yeah, I mean... I want I want to marry that pass by Pacarada for the first yeah. uh, Eggestein goal it was actually not a cross but a long ball, and um, it was a it was perfect, and um, then you had something we were wondering about in the past couple of weeks was uh, the St. Pauli defense it was really good in this game. Uh, that one scene springs to mind where Irvine. Uh, is really doing a lot to to save uh, that ball against Krimpiki. Um, actually, uh, that Kwateng shot who, that hit the post was being touched by Smash, so mm. it was uh, being led to to the post. So he had a good game as well when needed. Um, and yeah, all in all, uh, that was a that was a good St. Pauli performance, even though Magdeburg did do a bit more in the second half. They needed to, obviously. Um, they didn't let anything too much happen in that second half. Um, only two shots on target for them. They were very lively throughout the game. Um, wasn't completely sure uh, about Dashna up front. He didn't look as comfortable. Matanovic as well. Um, not sure if it might be yeah, the case to just switch into one striker up front in in Eggestein, if we might see this. I'm not completely sure. Maybe um, Matano was just as good to, yeah, collect a couple of players around him. But yeah, I was um, I was impressed by that performance. Um, I mean, if we're speaking about the number three, Eggestein could have easily gotten a, a mm. third goal as well. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm really interesting to see, interested to see whether Pacarada stays and if that then it's going to be um really, really difficult for teams to defend. As mentioned, Zariakas on the right side, Pacarada on the left side. Um because um yeah, I mean Zariakas is new there. Um we didn't know much about him, or at least I did, don't want to uh, speak for you. Um but yeah, I think this was the first game I really recognized what he could do. And if it works that well, I mean, we obviously know from Zach Pauli from last season, something that works well in a couple of games does not necessarily always need to work. If uh, your opponents press high on those players, because in the end, there are the left and right players in the four in the back. So if if there are up front too much, I mean, Pacarada even had its own shot on goal. Uh it creates room in the back, which Magdeburg couldn't use here, but there will be teams that will be eager to use them. Uh, but nevertheless, as mentioned, good result for St. Pauli. Maybe maybe the expected difficulties for Magdeburg from time to time, as mentioned, uh, they have Hanover coming up. Um, but I think, yeah, they're still with having... Um, we, this is kind of what we expected that from the three promoted side Kaiserslautern is probably going to be the one climbing the highest then Magdeburg is kind of taking the Rostock spot where we thought or I thought and then Braunschweig is um, yeah the team where we weren't really comf- comfortable about I'm sorry um, yeah um, and that's 
all I have to say for that game. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much said everything that I would have said. The thing that probably went under the rug there was the, the debut of David Nemet at centre-back and really important that he... Because let's be honest, it's going to be Nemet and Medic as the, the, the defensive two unless Medic gets poached by a Bundesliga side, which I don't think will happen. You know, I think that's going to stick as... And if that could be the back four of Pacarado, Medic, Nemet and Saliakis, you're feeling pretty good because you have two fullbacks who can bomb down the channel, really create opportunities for, for the strikers. They're both good at crossing. Um, obviously, Pacarado is an unbelievable set-piece taker, which, you know, there are teams in the, in the league that would desperately love to have his services. I know there are teams in the Bundesliga who should probably be looking at his services. Um, but yeah, also, um, first clean sheet of the season for St. Pauli. Vital that they get on the board there. Um, as uh, Eva said, it was pretty ordinary for Magdeborg. And yeah, both have important games. Of course, St. Pauli, uh, they've got Rostock. And uh, yeah, as mentioned earlier, the police presence better be ready because it's going to get interesting. Um, speaking of interesting... Let's uh, make our final shift to Kiel. Holstein Kiel had Eintracht Braunschweig. Braunschweig, of course, trying to get on the board, not only in terms of scoring points, but scoring goals. Once again, they did not hit the back of the net this time. 3-0 defeat. There you go. Group 3, three goals. Yep, very good. Um, it was a it was a pretty clinical win for Kiel. They were not really challenged for much of the game. Steven Skripski scored twice on 12 and 73 minutes. Benedict Pickler initially had his goal ruled out for via, for offside, but the VAR correctly noticing that Pickler was very much onside, and uh, he got his second goal. And uh, oh, he was very happy to get that goal when it was uh, given. So uh, don't blame him. Got to celebrate them all like the last. But um. Big shift in the game came at um, the 60-minute mark when when um, Marcel Rep made those changes, really wrestled Kiel to give that momentum back because Braunschweig had a little period just after, uh, bef- after the half. Um, F- F- Perai had the best chance, and he skied that into Rosette. Um, but yeah, Eva, it's, it's starting to get a bit uncomfortable for, for Braunschweig now. Four games, four defeats, no goals. We were a bit concerned heading into the season. Did they have enough in terms of the resources? And it, it's starting to show it's becoming a bit problematic that they've um, well, they've got bagels on the card so far. And um, this was another one of those performances where they were, they were second best for a good period of time. And when they had their chances, which they did come, uh, they didn't take them. Yeah, and a, a very troubling statistic for you here, if you look at uh, shot efficiency in the league, uh, Braunschweig is, to no surprise, uh, last place with minus 6.3. 17th is Jan Regensburg with minus 2.5, and look mm. where they're sitting in the table, so they are allowed to do this. Uh, at the same time, this was the duel between the team who is best in or has won his most duels in 450 and the one who has won the least with Braunschweig winning only 365. And you could see this in some instances that uh, Kiel, even though it was not their best game, they were there when needed. I mean, if you look at the interview with uh, Steven Skripsky after the game, he was like, 
I don't really care how the goals were being scored and who scored the goals. We won. I mean, especially for the first one, a very unlucky visage. Uh, one mm. more comparison to to the Euros where I think it was against France with where Holmes is getting the ball at the back of the net. Can't really uh, on her back and then it goes to the ball uh, goal. Can't speak anymore. Great. Um, now, but if you if you look here, our duels won 112 to 94. Uh, Pichler has won 19, uh, which is quite good, um, especially up front. You could see that he was kind of clearing the way for for his colleagues. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, he was very efficient, stone cold in this game when. Data was needed in goal. He was there and um, they could rely on him. Speaking about relying, <laughs> you guys know what's happening in the breaks. And uh, between the second part and the third part, there was a huge break here because uh, I had to clear my head about the whole Forte thing. And Matthew was so kind to wait. And I know he's very, very uh, hungry. And I'm very, very sorry. And I'm very glad I... Um, yeah, half his understanding, although I don't want to, yeah, overuse that. But nevertheless, huge thank you uh, to you, Matthew, for uh, bearing this chaotic day <laughs> with me. I mean, you don't need to apologize purely because it caught us out by surprise. We're still talking about it, which tells you how the severity of the shock is. Um, so I'll, I'll get back to that, but I'll quickly just give Kiel a bit of love because Fabian Reza, important player in the way that they want to play. He came on in 60 minutes. They also brought on Muling. Both had assists. Um, both really settled the game for Kiel. And, you know, we, we're really unsure where Kiel are. I mean, not on the table, they're, they're fifth. That's, that's clear. And they are the only team yet to lose this season. That tells you everything you need to know. So after two draws to start the campaign, two consecutive wins, they have Paderborn. Really good test to see where they are. Um, that's an away game. So let's see. I'm, I'm intrigued to see where they are. Braunschweig have the top spieler. They've got Fortuna Dusseldorf on, uh, Saturday, on Saturday night. That's a home game at the Eintracht Stadion. Hmm... Time to get a win, but yeah, um, as Eva was saying, like, and um, like, there's no need to apologize. It is a stressful time. It's never nice to see someone lose their job, and when you've had the see the start to the campaign that they've had, that Bielefeld have had, and you haven't won since February, that's stressful. It's painful because you're just waiting to see something different, and. Whether it's this week or it's next week, um, you know, as I'm, I'm not sure if even mentioned it, but it probably has that they've never won in Heidenheim ever. Then they've got Braunschweig at home on Friday, and yeah, the longer it progresses without points, the harder it is. But uh, one thing I will say is that they've obviously got someone lined up because there's it just seems really late in the week to do something. Like this, so surely they have someone in mind who they think can turn it around. Whether it's Feynman, Bruno, or 
Um, don't say Carsten Rum. Don't say Carsten Rum. I'm not. <laughs> it could, who knows? I mean, it would be fitting getting him for the, just for the Braunschweig game. Yeah. Because we all remember that very cringy, mm. cringy, cringy cabin talk with him. It's a perfect setup to win 6 nil against Braunschweig. I'm very sorry, Braunschweig fans. Oof. I need this. <laughs> That's brutal. They're like, but we need this. We need the good vibes. We haven't scored yet. So, yeah. We'll see. We only scored twice. It's not like we're... Either they're yet to score. Hundred. They've, they've played four games without a goal. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. This is what the, the last two Bundesliga seasons have been like. Yeah. The Frank, the Frank Kramer years were tough. But now I get to experience it. Well, I mean, you nearly won on the weekend. We should have won, but... We didn't. That was our fault. Anyway, that's. The, we should quickly segue towards the end of this episode. Uh, kick tip leaders, Lisa. Congratulations, sixteen points. The top scorer for the match day. I'm still leading, people. I'm ten points clear. This is why. If you hear the knocks on the table, it's because I'm hoping that continues. But um, I suspect that it will be. It won't last too long anyway. Um, Let's get some podcast re- um, recommendations. I forgot to speak too. Um, Eva, what are you recommending that uh, the, the people of our podcast should listen to? Well, I mean, I recommended this podcast before. It's not a um, nope. football podcast, but mm. it's a comedy slash history podcast. But it's not the podcast in general this time, but a special episode. It's the Julie Dubigny episode. It's about a French opus singer opera singer i can't speak um and it's first and foremost because of the comedian who's in this which is Catherine bohart i love her she's great um i want every episode to be with her um that it's i had to love a lot in this one hour or so so if you're interested in some sort of um uh yeah a woman in, in the in the french history who um yeah upset a lot of French nobleman throughout her time who actually set a set a nun on fire I think um <laughs> go listen sure. to this. and we we all need some sort of comedy um if you have any ideas for us what to recommend what to listen to ourselves go ahead also don't only look in your podcatcher or spotify or whatever today but maybe maybe take a look at the next couple of days as well um we hinted at it a couple of times it's not that huge of a surprise anyway um, go do that thanks for everyone who listened through this thanks for everyone you can skip the benefit part if you don't want to hear it <laughs> it's it's emotional i don't know diarrhea um, so, Man, it's all happening. Yeah. She said diarrhea. So, uh, she said yeah. the f word. I mean, it's <laughs> it's all kicking off. Um, before we go, also, uh, there is if you are very strong in the Portuguese language, there is a Bundes a Svada Bundesliga podcast in Portuguese. But Bundesliga Brazil two is the podcast, and they do an unbelievable job keeping up to date with all the Svada Bundesliga news in the Portuguese language. Give them a follow on social media as well. It's Bundesliga underscore BR2. Uh, they do great work. And uh, yeah, they've just released two episodes of their podcast. So yeah, if you're if you're fluent in Portuguese, not like myself, um, give them a listen. 
And that should be enough from us. It's been a long episode. A very long, emotional, tense, um, surprising episode. And that's why I'm going to go eat some delicious pizza. So um, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in probably a couple of days with a special episode of the podcast. Um, and until then, enjoy the last couple of days of the weekday. Don't work too hard. You're allowed to treat yourself. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.